Adcom presents the A-Game podcast, hosted by Jeff Culleton and Nadia Shiner. Today, we're talking about how streaming services are changing the marketing landscape and how these platforms can be accessible to marketers at every level. Our guest is Jim Ganser, currently Adcom's Chief Strategy Officer and an expert in finding the precise media channels where any given audience lives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special episode of the A-Game, episode 67, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, With me, as always, the better half of my podcasting sidekickery, Nadia Shiner. What is up? Nothing. Now, the special part of this, outside of us being here together, is that the the OG, the founding member of the A-Game, a member of, I would say, at least 50 of the uh, first... 67 podcasts. Jim Ganser is joining us today. Jim Ganser, Chief Strategy Officer for Adcom. Hello, James. Can we get a sound effect? Like a slide whistle? <laughs> like an audience applause? Uh, audience applause. <laughs> we might put it in. You know, I thought there was going to be a bigger buildup. Considering the history. Considering the history. Consist- considering the history. Well, but. our history doesn't change. There's a pandemic in the middle, and then we were both very busy. So yes. I just... And we've evolved, Jim. We've evolved deeply, and... Only now can we truly start to explore the depths of your wisdom. So I honestly think I was doing you a favor in allowing us to get to where you are so that you can serve the audience. Because previously it was just, you know, the court jester over here. (laughs) He saved the best parts of you. Yeah. The very best. Like Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, let me be the first to say that I'm very happy with the evolution of the podcast. Yeah. And it's very much where we wanted to take it. So... If me taking a step aside got us to where we needed to go, maybe it'll be another five months before I, I jump on again. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to burden your schedule. And then producer extraordinaire Adam Zaccaro has provided us today with uh, peanut butter cups. So very something, delicious. Something tells me this is going to be a raucous and rousing discussion today. But it is one of my favorite topics. So today we're going to talk about um, the tectonic shifting in streaming and this is why you know jim makes so much sense to be on today we've we've seen like a couple of like haymakers of changing in the market over the last little bit and first with netflix so two months ago when netflix reported earnings there was an expectation that netflix was going to lose two million plus subscribers and wall street cheered, applauded, did backflips when they only lost 980,000. So you have to ask yourself, you know, oh my goodness, like the, the, the original streaming service, the disruptor, the one that changed the game is now in a, a pretty significant slide. And, you know, that, that in and of itself is, is huge news. However, on the other side, you also have, you know, Warner Media going and merging HBO Max, which has a health, pretty healthy catalog, and Discovery Plus, which has only been out for a year, together into a new service. And so obviously we want to get to how does this affect media and buying and all of that kind of stuff. But like, Jim, what are your reactions to this, how fast it is? And I know you were in New York for a bunch of meetings with media companies. Like, what are you hearing? Yeah, I mean... We're seeing rapid change 
with regard to streaming, yeah. generally speaking. And when you mentioned that Discovery Plus has only been out for a year, it gave me pause because it feels like all of these platforms came in simultaneously yeah. and it feels like they've always been here. And, you know, the first thing that I try to think through with regard to like reading the tea leaves on these things is what's going on in my house and what's going on in my family's and friends' houses. Yeah. How are they changing? How are they evolving? And I remember when NBC came out with Peacock, I was like, I thought it was really cute that they were going to try to get into the streaming game. But we've all been conditioned to, to sit through these ad breaks just like we used to back in the day with television. <laughs> We've all been conditioned. And one of the things that has really been a driving force for Netflix, beyond the fact that they've had back-to-back -back quarters of losses, which is very un-Netflix, is the fact that they've done a tremendous amount of research with regard to what's going on with other platforms like Peacock, like Hulu, um, in terms of the drop-off with regard to, you know, consumer engagement and satisfaction. And what they've found is that we're conditioned to sit through commercial breaks. Yeah. It doesn't take away from the enjoyment of the programs. Yeah. So all of a sudden they're finding themselves in a precarious situation um, because they're looking around and they're seeing that, frankly, audiences are willing to have multiple subscriptions simultaneously. Um, some of us have upwards of six to eight, and we're hitting a point where, you know, it might feel like a little bit much. We're losing control over it. And Netflix is saying to themselves, if we're going to be in a situation where we need to potentially continue to grow audiences when people are more inclined to turn over, you know, month by month, you know, something new is coming on Peacock or Hulu or whatever, Apple TV, they're going to start cutting other things. Yeah. So if you're not going to have that recurring revenue stream for Netflix, because the world is changing, then you need to be able to adapt. And now that they understand that their com competitors not only have deeper pockets, but have figured out a better way They've got to get into the game at this point in order to survive because they do not have the catalog of, of Disney. They do not have the business model of Amazon or Apple. They're just Netflix. All of a sudden, they look vulnerable. And it's really interesting to see some of the steps that they're taking in terms of getting into the advertising game in a way that is, is really uninformed, really uninformed. You know, they've got new partnerships that they're working on with, with Microsoft, but they don't know how to build a business and add revenue business. You looked at, look, look at how much they're willing to charge. So the, this is, I, this yeah. is obviously not like a, a, a well-known thing, but no. you know, a normal place where we would buy a CPM, a cost per thousand people in an audience, you know, where we would buy, maybe we'd be sitting in the 20, 30, $40 for a really premium audience. Yep. 20, 30, $40, uh, a thousand um, audience on different platforms. What is Netflix trying to get? Netflix is trying to get $80 per thousand. Um, Jeff just shifted in his seat. <laughs> yes, he did. That is That is a very large number. That is a very large number. I would say the most exclusive places 
online are maybe charging about 50 to $65 CPM. So typically when you see a premium cost, there's two things that you get in return for that premium cost. Number one, you're gonna get an exclusive audience. And they're not exclusive because they are a subscriber, they're exclusive because they're hard to reach and they're very targeted. So what's an example of that? So think about like a, a LinkedIn. Okay. So you're a B, B2B marketer and you're trying to hit um, executive decision makers in HR. You can find them within LinkedIn, but it's an exclusive audience. It is a small subset of their overall audience, but you can hit them very well. Streaming audiences, everybody's got Netflix, right? That's part of the reason that they're having a hard time growing because everybody has been there that is going to be there at some point. There's a share shift going on with regard to streaming. It's not, should I stream or not? It's everyone streaming. Literally, households are upwards of 80, 85% of households in the US are streaming to connected televisions or OTT. Compare that to cable. Cable, the once mighty cable, which disrupted television, and then Netflix disrupted cable. They're down almost below 50% in um, major metropolitan areas and a good portion of the country. So it is a steady decline going on there. So <clears throat> exclusive audience, number one. Number two, exclusive opportunity, okay? So this goes into, I occupy significant space within a platform that people are going towards. I'm willing to pay a premium. Think of like the NFL, Yep. okay? That is one of those um, areas where broadcast television is live and well when it comes to live sports. And NFL is the king when it comes to the United States. So you can still occupy significant space there. And the reason that I bring up the NFL is the only comparable that you have for what Netflix is expecting to charge is the NFL. Yeah. But what does the NFL deliver? It delivers a massive audience. What does Netflix deliver? They haven't even launched this paid service. There's no subscribers to it. Yet they're putting a price tag of $80 on it. And it's really interesting, but I think some of the shine is coming off of Netflix. And here's the thing that, that really matters the most with regard to this overall story. It's not the diversion about Netflix. It is about the shifting time and attention, the attention economy going towards streaming over television. And what's important for marketers to understand is that it's not about Netflix. It is about time and attention. And where can you get that time and attention? And the reason that I bring it up is television is hard to get into. It's hard to buy TV, it's expensive. You know what's not expensive? OTT, CTV, advertising. Yeah. It's online video. It's online video. And even small niche advertisers can play in that space. And time and attention is going towards it. The biggest challenge really at this point is fragmentation. Same thing that we ran into with cable. You know, fragmented viewing. Now we're fragmented across different platforms, which, which is a whole nother ball of wax. I feel like we've solved the world's problems. You think? It's normally at this point, I like I'm looking at you like 
Yeah. Normally you... Mm-hmm. I'm going to segue into something, but I think he said it all. You, you, you the, put us into our corners and then you're like, okay, but what does it really mean? <laughs> in the words of Howard Stern, I, I think we said it all. Yeah. <laughs> Have we said it all? Oh, I'm just getting started. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Why is Netflix in the news then? What, if you're saying Netflix isn't the story, why is it the story? Netflix is the story because Netflix is the biggest kid on the block and it just got punched in the mouth. And people want to see how they react. They've also bent on one of their foundational principles, which is we will not sell advertising on the platform. And I think it's not about Netflix. Netflix is kind of the flashy thing that gets everybody to read the article or watch the video or listen to the podcast. Uh, hashtag listen listen to this podcast podcast. there we go because people want to hear about it because they're interested people have um, relationships with netflix but at the same time it's been this immovable object it's been this frankly it's it's been like the hbo of streaming Mm -hmm. um in a way that you know they've always been able to charge more yeah and they've always been able to move the the cost up and and not have any drop off but look look what happened in april yeah well so i I think it's interesting now that these platforms so if you look at the evolution of netflix it used to be cds in the mail and then it goes to streaming and then it goes to uh them generating their own content which many people followed along with um but the problem is that content is hugely expensive to produce and you need to have hits when was the last really great, like, binge-heavy cultural scene within Netflix? It was probably Squid Game. Um, maybe there's something in there that I'm missing, but, you know, I, I've kind of stopped watching Netflix a ton because I don't feel like the content is all that divergent. I don't feel like it's all that great. I don't feel like it's giving me something unique that these other platforms... It's not as edgy as it used to be. Yeah. Like... <laughs> It, so I, I look at it and I go, okay, you know, this is the next. I'm actually them breaking with the core tenant and becoming an advertiser. I'm fine with that. I, I don't. The the bigger. I mean, once you're saying you don't even notice, right? We don't even notice if there are. So who cares? Yeah. So who really cares in that perspective? But you know, where with the fragmentation, where am I going to get content that I like? And they just haven't provided that. I mean, they they've they've fallen down in that capacity, and then. You know, everybody put a plus after their name and tried to emulate Disney, but Disney just had a better standing and purchased product catalog than anybody else. And so it it is interesting to see this unravel. But my question is, is this for an advertiser, this fragmentation, are we about to see consolidation in a more meaningful way? And is that good for an advertiser and or is that bad for an advertiser and why? Sure. I mean, first, that's not an answer. It's good Techn- or technically bad. Technically, it is. It is an technically answer. Technically, it is an answer. To say sure is an answer. Yeah, like based off of chemistry, alcohol actually is a solution. Well, let me let me walk through a couple of the questions that you asked. Um, number one is con- consolidation coming. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned the fact that it costs a lot of money to produce content. Yep. A ton of money. Um, it's not a good business model. Mm-hmm. Streaming is not a good business model. You had mentioned in a previous conversation CNN versus New York Times. Yes. And how one is 
the Times is doing really well and CNN is floundering a bit. And is that related to this content issue, the content creation issue? It's it's a little bit related to the content creation issue. It's it's a little bit different though. I'd like a peanut butter cup. Oh, let's let's shift these more important things. Let's get Jeff uh, a dark chocolate peanut butter. Thank you, sorry, Jim. It's not milk chocolate. We're not children. <laughs> so, <laughs> CNN, New York Times, sorry, Jim. Go CNN, ahead. New York Times. So, the interesting thing about uh, New York Times is they've really you know, shone a light on the fact that they're journalism first, okay? Now, everybody's technically journalism first, but, you know, when you visit their offices, I was, I had a good opportunity to go in and, and meet with our partners over at New York Times uh, the other week when we were in New York, and you literally walk down a hallway and it's all, you know, Pulitzers. It's, they really care about getting it right. And they have not bent on their, um, their stance that it's journalism first. And even when they try to get subscribers, it's not about like the new flashy content. It's about the power of journalism. And they haven't lost that. And even though people stopped picking up paper versions of the news, they were able to pivot in a way that is not reliant on print. They make their money off of subscriptions. Yep. And they get icing on the cake with regard to advertisers. But even their advertising space has become increasingly sparse. And they want their advertisers to tell stories, not put ads on their site. And you see it come into life with regard to the way that they've diversified. Um, so let's, let's put a pin in New York Times and let's think about what's going on with CNN. Number one, the origins of CNN is broadcast. It's technically network cable but it's television and television can be news, but it can also be opinion. And it's becoming increasingly opinionated in the current climate from a political standpoint. Yeah. So if you take a, a few steps back and look at the progression of CNN, when the Trump presidency was in full force, there was like this this love-hate relationship where everybody just couldn't get enough they, of Everybody content. chose a side. Everybody chose a side. <clears throat> and if you agreed with the network, then you would watch. And if you disagreed, you'd really watch. And it got to the point where it got polarizing. And how do you know broadcast partners get paid? They get paid off of ratings. So the things that you do to boost ratings become like the the thing to do. And it's less about journalistic integrity. And then all of a sudden you've got yourself in a situation where CNN used to be down the middle and then they became very left. And they kind of lost a bit of who they were in all of that melee. And if you look at New York Times, number one, who is in a bigger shitstorm than a newspaper? <laughs> like my business is a newspaper. They were smart and they pivoted but they positioned themselves appropriately yep. and they never lost sight of who they were. And they didn't try to go after like the shiny object and sacrifice who they were. And now CNN is consistently trying to step back from that. And, you know, they've got new leadership installed. And the number one thing that they're trying to reinforce with the market right now is we're not going to go chasing ratings because it's all about journalism. So let me ask you a question. So CNN plus yeah. lasted two months. 
three months, I mean, it was really a catastrophic failure mm -hmm. from, you know, I, and I'm saying that from the money invested to do it, I'm sure, sure in order to launch it. But, you know, they're, you know, they need advertisers, but they tried to do a subscription model when you could get things for free on their, on their airwaves. And they had lost some of that integrity that people that down the middle, that people um, tuned in for. Is that the reason that paid content on their side of things just didn't work like bad combination of things? Uh, or does the New York Times just have a better brand? Do they have a better brand that warrants getting exclusive paid for content? Now, this speaking of opinion, yeah. I'm just I'm going to give one. Okay, I love it. and this is a party of one, focus group of one. So take it for what it's worth. I think CNN lost sight of their audience. I think they really did. I think they had something that they wanted to sell, mm -hmm. and it was all about selling that thing. Yeah, it wasn't about what people want or how people relate to CNN. And New York Times never lost that. I think, I mean, yeah, and you can apply that lesson to every brand everywhere. Yeah. And that's how that's how you fail. I said you just don't, you don't remember who you are and who your audience is. Try to be too much to too many or too little to not enough or. You're talking to yourself. Yeah. That's, that's what CNN got into. They're like, oh, streaming, everybody's streaming. We're going to do live news streaming. And then, and be careful because people out there are going to tell you that people won't subscribe to streaming services geared around news. Yeah. They're gonna be like, oh, well they proved it's not gonna work. I don't believe that. Mm. Personally, I do not believe that at all. Because technically that's what New York Times is doing. Mm -hmm. It's technically what they're doing right now. It's just a different format that they're focused on. And don't fall into the trap of like the easy way out. Try to look through it and understand who is putting the audience first. And this is what every marketer should be able to take away from this. Are you being true to yourself and your audience? Or are you just trying to capitalize on, you know, something that's happening in the moment? Yeah, there's a lot of pandering. There's a lot of it, but they do. Now, going back to the original question, the whole consolidation thing, it's really interesting with regard to Warner Media because you've got HBO Max and you've got Discovery Plus. And while they made some, you know, you know, pitfalls with regard to the CNN Plus product, this is actually gearing up to be a, a pretty uh, powerful force here. And the thing that's interesting about it is you've got two discreetly different audiences that are coming together now. How so? So if you look at the demographics of HBO Max, it's predominantly male. Oh, interesting. It, which is interesting, I right? guess I, I wouldn't have immediately expected that. Yeah, yeah. It actually skews male um, considerably, not like sports skewed male, but you know, probably more like, you know, yeah, 60, 60, 40. 40. And then if you look at discovery plus and probably less of a, a, a shocker, it's going to skew more female than male mm -hmm. because you've got a lot of really great content that kind of falls into the food network, HGTV, and yep. um, you know, whatever the, the gains family is, you know, <laughs> Magnolia. Magnolia. I think I fall outside the, uh, I mean, I'm, Abnormal. I don't even know what Discovery Plus is. It's a service. So, yes, you do fall outside. Um, Are you a New York Times subscriber? Yes. Yep, there you go. So Discovery Plus was Discovery Media had purchased a handful of content properties over the last 
X number of years, including HDTV and Food Network and, and several others. And they consolidated those, the on-demand version of those. Because you under, can still watch those on You can still watch them on cable, streaming. Right? You can still watch them on broadcast, but you get exclusive content mm -hmm. through those, or you get full on-demand functionality that you can watch anytime through those. But... You know, they're so ubiquitous. How many house hunters, how many, you know, property brothers forever, like you've fixer upper. Fixer upper. <laughs> which are great, but they're they're now so ubiquitous that you kinda have them on in the background because you know you wanna see the house they choose and then the end result and all the mid, you know, talking between uh, you know, the property brothers, you're like, Yeah, okay, I can it's whatever anymore. But, you know, they've become a brand in and of themselves. They do things for ADT. They, I mean, they have a pretty significant sponsorship suite. But you know what you're, you know what you're getting. So, so Discovery Plus was kind of the the culling together of multiple different Discovery-owned properties under one paid streaming service. Mm -hmm. Got it. Like you said, just throw a Plus yep. behind it. <clears throat> Nadia Plus. Mm -hmm. Look, yep. you're, you're a streaming service now. Yeah. Plus, I mean, Disney Plus. Hulu, ESPN, they all kind of fall into one bucket as well. Yep. So three distinct platforms that get bundled. Mm -hmm. You're going to see more and more bundling. And here's the deal, though. Like, going back to the attention economy and time and attention fragmentation, it's really challenging for marketers when there's so much fragmentation. Yeah. Because you're putting a lot of eggs in one basket when you go to any one of these, for the most part. And... Consolidation is actually a good thing for marketers. Okay, good. Why? Because there's going to be fewer places for time and attention to go towards. Okay. I think it's going to ultimately be a win for marketers because there's going to be more time and attention in specific platforms. That more, can, more diversified audience, it sounds like, too. Yes. If you're, if you're bringing those together, my assumption is that you will be able to advertise, you'll be able to go to them and say, these are the audiences we're trying to reach. I've got one point of contact, and yep. yet I can reach those audiences through that one point of contact. Yeah, and there's richer data. Mm -hmm. And the most important part of any platform is their recommendation engine. So all of a sudden, I'm a Discovery Plus viewer, it's merged together with HBO Max, they can start to pinpoint content that I'm gonna like hmm. outside of the same uh, fishing pool that I've been fishing in sure. all this time. So it's going to be good, but there's this other thing that's kind of hanging out there with regard to streaming, which I find fascinating because it's kind of, uh, the Netflix treatment is, is, is coming back to Netflix because they disrupted cable. You got all this competition going on and who's coming after them? Oh, it's no. friggin' TikTok. Yeah. Oh. It's friggin' TikTok. Yeah. Right? Now, TikTok is all of a sudden up to a billion monthly users. Yeah. All of a sudden. And the average person is spending 90 minutes a day on TikTok. And it's conditioning people to spend more time with short form content. Now, TikTok's got a lot going on right now. They seem to be moving their way into music. Um, if you look at just some of the trends with regard to TikTok and music, see like King Con and Barbecue, it, just about everything's got their music attached to it. Yeah. If you haven't listened to them, they got like a rockabilly kind of surfer vibe going on for the most part. But you've got that, you've got Fleetwood Mac with regard to the ocean spray. like. The Stranger Things, Kim, I forget who that yeah. is, but like- Kate Bush. Kate Bush, resurrecting songs 
that are 30 years old, 40 years old, yes. and giving them completely new life. My eight-year-old was singing that the other day, the Stranger Things. And it wasn't from watching Stranger Things. It was from hearing it on the Babysitter's TikTok. Yeah. And this, this just goes right back to the point I made earlier that this is not a good business to be in. Yeah. Streaming is not a profitable business. You look at the amount of time and attention that is going towards TikTok, it's almost exclusively UGC. And people are building businesses out of it. Well, and it's becoming it's becoming the one of, if not maybe one day, the biggest search engine. These social platforms are becoming more targeted search engines. I mean, Google still has the lion's share, but man, are they climbing fast because this generation of people goes to those places to get their recommendation engine because they believe the people that they follow in a very meaningful way. But marketers are getting smarter and even the B2B marketers are getting in to consumer advertising and look around. Watch when you're on, on streaming platforms and if you're using ones that are ad supported, which most people are, you're gonna find a wide variety of the types of advertisers. It's not just F-150s and, you know, you know, boner drugs. I'm sorry, Adam, that just happened, but so, it's true. But it, it, it links back to last week. Two bathtubs, Two beautiful ba Vista, <laughs> like seriously, <laughs> it's gets, not. Who gets a second bathtub outside and how did they fill them? I don't even, Buckets I know this commercial you're talking, this is Cialis, Cialis I but, but I, I don't remember two bathtubs. Yeah, they would sit next to each other in bathtubs and hold hands. Oh. Because that's how couples do it, watching a sunset. <laughs> but this links back really nicely to last week as we talked about- so weird. It, I, believe me, I also agree that it's weird, but, but the, something but the, tells me- But the purpose of the drug is so that you should only have one. You should be one. in the one bathtub. There's a flaw. There should be both bathtubs, but both people are in, in one, one and the other is empty. That's, that's, that's the scene. That's the visual. Yeah. So last put the beds together. Yeah. <laughs> last week we talked about how we, we potentially are on the precipice of like a real move forward in creativity for B2B brands yeah. who are not traditionally known to, to be out there and in those places. And, you know, based off this conversation, it sounds like we're, Maybe you know, we're, yeah, we're adding more kind of fuel to the fire of B2B brands are about to kind of enter into a place where they can be more creative, they can be more out front, they can be more in retail-esque channels and start to change that dynamic. So mm -hmm. thank you for wrapping that up as you so well, you do so well as the teacher in the room. My um, pleasure. Yeah, well, I mean, so this was a, just a delightful conversation. Jim, it makes my heart three sizes bigger to see you with headphones on in this room talking about media that you do so well. Uh, for Nadia Shiner and Jim Ganser, I'm Jeff Culleton. Thank you for tuning into The A-Game. Uh, listen in for more great content coming up. And then you can find us on any of our social channels, the Adcom Group on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn um, and tune in anywhere you get your podcasts to hear more of this three fire emoji content. Have a great day. You've been listening to The A-Game, an Adcom production. Adcom is a marketing partner in Cleveland, Ohio, creating measurable returns for our clients. Like, follow, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and find us on your favorite social networks.